There's no one right way to life, wife, or parent. I'm an empty nester with a full life. I'm a young mom who is sometimes running on empty. I am color in the lines. I'm running with scissors. I'm sensible shoes, sometimes taking myself far too seriously. I'm holding it together with three bobby pins and a lot of self-deprecating humor. I'm Aunt Mara, an emotional health therapist. I'm Nis Kira, a wellness advocate. Together, we're Sandy and Shwani, bridging generations to pass down wisdom, uptake vitality, take whatever is bringing you down, and lift you up. Table talk with takeaways for an elevated life today. We're Mood Mamas. <laughs> <laughs>to Moon Mamas. This episode, we're going to talk about Marie Kondo. So just in case there's someone who doesn't know who Marie Kondo is, she's a Japanese organizing consultant and author. She's actually written four books on organizing and also has a TV show, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. Her books are The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up and Spark Joy. And we're going to read Marie Kondo your life. We're going to clean out those skeletons out of the closets. We're going to tidy up those drawers. We're going to brush all of that dust off the shelf figuratively and, and non-figuratively. And yeah, hopefully you find this as uh, tidy as we, as we found it. You know, it's so funny when you go to the store right now, all the stores seem to have all their plastic bins out for home organization. So January must just be the month where people really seem to focus on that. Right, right. What am I going to do with all these Christmas decorations I purchased the month before? Yeah. So I heard about Marie Kondo several years ago, actually, when her, when her book first came out. What I remember most is that I had a broken leg at the time and I was on a knee scooter and my friend decided that she wanted to get me organized. And so she came over and she actually brought her chop saw and we made these little bamboo dividers for my kitchen <laughs> drawers. I love this person. I don't, I love it so much. It's like, we are going to get you organized and that requires power tools. Like what a woman, man. Oh, wow. Way to go, Kayla. Um, <laughs> And so I just remember trying to scoot around into the garage and back into my kitchen and measuring things and, and what was so delightful. And here's the most important thing is you have to take a picture of where you start because when you get to the end, you're like, oh, this looks so good, but no one will believe me how bad it was before. So the first thing that you need to do, whatever you're trying to tidy up in your life is really make a, a clear indication, a marker, a way to remember how bad it was so you can celebrate it on the other side. Quietly. We would never post the first picture on the internet. <laughs> of course we can. Course no, we can. no, no. There are some maybe like, look what I did here. But then there are some like, mm, this goes in the vault. No one will <laughs> see where it started. <laughs> well, so over the holidays, I Marie Kondoed my mom's closet. And I am so mad that I didn't take an original picture because it still just looks like a closet. I remember, I remember, I walked in there on Tuesday, I'm like, wow, wow, no, no, I was going to say I'm very impressed. <laughs> well, good, that makes me feel better, but it is fun to see the before and the after, and the most important thing is just remembering that when we are getting rid of something, we're actually making space for something better. That's tough. That's really tough. I feel like I've got some tendencies that just wants to keep it all. But no, I mean, Cody, what he likes to do is set up a, a time lapse. So we'll be cleaning out a room and he, we have this whole time lapse going that you can see the beginning and, and then the end of what where it's at. I love that. That is so cool. It actually is pretty can, neat. Now, I know he has a pretty legit camera, but I think you can just do that on your phone. On your phone. Actually, he uses his phone a lot of the time for time lapses. Um, I don't know what program it is, but because of the battery life and it doesn't need to be great quality because we're just, you know, yeah, quickly just zoomed you know, in and out of the room. And how motivating would that be to a kid also be like, you know what, we're going to do a 15 minute fling boogie. We're going to clean this room up and then we'll watch it, the playback. And I think they would love that. It is pretty fun. I mean, we did up a 
camping as we were taking down the tent and watching the camp go up and watching the camp go down. And it's, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Marie Kondo says the goal of tidying is to make room for meaningful objects, people, and experiences and focusing on what we want to keep, not necessarily what we want to get rid of, because I think it is really deep in our DNA to have a hard time letting go of things. One of the things I I've noticed when working with clients is the trauma of our ancestors does get passed forward to us. Basically the survival programs of how they endured it. All of us have ancestors who survived the great depression. They survived truly terrible, terrible times where they went without my father-in-law's, I think I talked about this, that his toes were deformed because they couldn't afford shoes as his feet grew and they had to survive on just so little. I mean, what's this saying? Use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. I haven't heard that one. Oh, I like it. That's a depression era setting. And I, maybe that's why I'm part of the clean plate club as well. I just, I cannot not finish what is on my plate because I feel like wait, that's so wasteful. And maybe I grew up with the, there were starving children in whatever. Africa, Ethiopia. Yep. Yep. We are the world. (laughs) We are the children. But no, I, I do think past trauma can be passed down. Survival makes us want to hold on to certain objects, especially if you grew up poor. I think that a lot of that growing up, uh, with less money makes me hold on to things that even if I don't love it, I feel like, but does it have a purpose? Does it have a use? Would I ever wear this? Clothes are what's hard, honestly. Okay. And isn't that funny? Because she says, do these in order. So her five categories to tackle are clothes, books, papers, miscellaneous items, and sentimental items. Mm-hmm. But why do you think she starts with clothes? I don't know because I'm always like, Marie, I, I get you, but I, I don't get you. I can't start there. <laughs> I, I always sidestep and, and I, don't, I haven't done the clothes yet. Okay. One of the things her trademark statement is holding the object and asking yourself, does this does it spark, bring me joy? Yeah, does this spark joy? So that's really hard with clothes because most of my clothes, none of them really spark joy to me. <laughs> I don't know. Right. There's no sequence on it. I can't wear this to a ball. (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the things that helped me the most with clothing was a program called Dressing Your Truth. The lady's name is Carol Tuttle, and you can just Google Dressing Your Truth. And she actually has an online quiz to help you out. She has four different styles of dressing. And once I figured out what my style was, it really helped me recognize why there were clothes in my closet that I didn't ever wear. And also when I shopped with a friend, why I would think something was cute and they would be like, eh, because we all have a different style. We have a different nature. And the the hardest thing was once I started, started doing the dressing your truth program and a lot of it's based on colors and textures and things like that. I had such a hard time finding clothes that I actually stopped buying clothes for quite a while. And I started hitting up a lot of thrift stores because the color palettes change um, year to year in the traditional stores, but you can usually find the color palettes you want at a thrift store. And I feel like they organized by colors. Like they can't organize by style or by multiple shirt kinds because it's all a variety, but they do organize by, by color. That would be, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's easier to do dressing your truth actually by going to secondhand stores and there there are a lot of great stores around i mean that definitely google and see what's in your area right right savers goodwill yeah yeah savers Uh, always has the perfect color and i have to avoid savers or i come out with all the books all the books (laughs) (laughs) like 20 or so like there's just this need of, of of books that i have but it's interesting that papers is on there because yeah, I keep a lot of papers and I've had to like clear some of that out. I guess I'm wondering, like, I just need an accountant to tell me what do I actually need to hold on to for seven years? Or is it three? I don't know. <laughs> like I've got, Yeah. 
an organization system might help. If I had that in place before I try to start throwing things out, like, and maybe filed it by the year. Ooh, Mm -hmm. we're onto something. Ooh. (laughs) Having a scanner helps me a lot. I will scan things so I can get rid of the actual physical paper, but I have a four drawer file in my closet that I just hate because I know it's full of papers. I'm never going to use. I I mean, I grew up back in the day when you had, (laughs) this is really going to date me. When I was in grade school, they had this, what they called a ditto machine. And it had this, it was like a blue ink page and you would have to turn a a lever. It's, It's too complicated to explain. Anyway, anybody who knows what a ditto is, copies were so hard to come by and graphics were not available. So if you wanted to add a graphic, you know, you had to have, you had to draw it or trace it or something like that. Whereas now we can make a document. I love word. I just, I love being able to make this really pretty document and add a graphic. It's so easy. Mm-hmm. But I think dating things is super important. I date my pictures when I organize them in files. I always put the year first. So this month I would put 20.1. And then it just, even if you just do that to the whole batch, at least you can keep it compartmentalized by month. And then obviously my dream is to actually label the pictures so I can find them when I want them. But, but no, I, I think that you're, you're setting up the habit. You're helping yourself down the road. Yes. That- but you have to have an organized mind. You have to think what's going to be useful to me. How will I find this again? And so the years is an awesome way to go about it. Like you're making it easy for yourself instead of like making it difficult. I uh, listened to a podcast about habits that we'll have to talk about sometime. Yeah. Make it easy for yourself. Don't make yourself an uphill battle before you even begin. I did want to mention one more thing about clothes before we leave that topic. Right, right. So one of the things they suggest is take your hangers and turn them backwards. And then when you wear something, then you hang it up. And so you can start to really see things that you haven't worn in a while. Does that make sense? The face that you're you're getting right now is I worked at Target. There's a way to hang up clothes and there's not a way to hang up clothes. So I'm like, wow, we're really going to have to get that out of me. Like. The other thing you can do is put clothes in a box or a bag, set it in the garage. And if a month has gone by and you haven't needed it, then just don't open it again and get rid of it. Until you open it and you're like, oh my gosh, I think I love this shirt. (laughs) Or what if you could do a a co-op swap, have a girlfriend. Girlfriends that do that. So uh, I have a friend that puts it on. She actually calls it the naked lady party. So it's hosted a couple times uh, a year and all the girls are supposed to get together and they try on clothes, they decide what they like, and then anything else that is left over that nobody claims, there's usually two or three people that are awesome and drop it off at Goodwill. So, and I have never gone. What? Ever, (laughs) ever. I know it's terrible. The name is intriguing right there. I would think all the guys would be fighting to come. Oh, I know. They're all thinking mimosas. It's like a Sunday brunch and stuff. And they're all trying on clothes together. And I'm just like, I have nothing you guys want. And I don't think I want to give you anything I like. Like, I would just come home with more stuff, I think. So I've avoided that place. But no, the truth is, though, that the things that you don't like in your closet, somebody else would probably like because they're a different type. Right, right. I feel like I didn't know how to dress until a couple of years ago. And so I feel like all the stuff I'm holding on to, which is silly that I'm holding on to it, um, but all the stuff that I'm, I'm holding on to, it feels like, I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll wear it camping. We'll, you know, like I really <laughs> want to like wear it camping, wear it painting. Those, right. Those rare extreme things. Oh my goodness. Until it happens. You're like, Oh, I was going to throw out this shirt, but apparently it works right now. And so I guess we have to keep it, which makes me doubt all the other times that I want to throw something away. Spark joy. Right. So she has a Netflix special where she goes and there were some houses that it's not like hoarders. Like, I do want to preface that because I was, I've watched hoarders before and I'm like, oh, wow. Sometimes you watch it so you feel better about your house and sometimes <laughs> you watch it because it's like, oh, I need to clean. But this like very ordinary families that have ordinary situations, sometimes it's health, sometimes it's, you know, new empty nesters. Um, sometimes it's just a big family that's grown and outgrown some things. And I really liked watching her special and, and seeing that. What do you like about it? 
So I like that she gives the people tasks and she makes them accountable. I think that accountability really helps. And so you've talked about tidying not being a destination, but a tool. Like, so if you get on the same page with your spouse or with yourself, maybe writing it down as a goal, holding yourself accountable, like this is the year, this is the time, this is the room I'm going to clean, take that photo, then you're held accountable to its change. Like, obviously, if, if Marie Kondo was going to be checking up on me tomorrow, things <laughs> done. Like, <laughs> okay, but what do you do when you have a situation where, say, one of you wants to be tidy and the other person really has no interest in that at all? I know a newly married couple that I am familiar with, they set up the, this three-bin laundry system. And all you had to do is just drop it in the right color. But one of the people in the marriage did not want to follow that rule. And they would just drop their clothes on the floor, even though it's literally two steps away. So what do you do in a situation like that? So Cody and I, we've been married a long time, um, 11 years. And what we found is that if you try to make a habit that the other one's not on board with, it just won't happen. And to get more investigative of like, what about this makes it difficult? Same thing with the, we tried the three bin thing. And now what, what we have, what was really frustrating about it is I didn't like clothes on the floor. And uh, by putting a hamper in an easy access space, like in the bathroom when you're taking off your clothes. So I wasn't the one that was cleaning up the bathroom floor. And of course you say it like that, like I'm picking up my husband's clothes and my daughter's <laughs> clothes and I'm taking it to the wash. Mm-hmm. You know, So making that easier. I and mean, then if I cared about sorting, that's something I really cared about, then I was willing to do that. But the biggest point of friction was having it on the floor because that felt like a, a disrespect. There was a guy, he wrote a blog. He actually talks about his marriage ending and it's, he talks about most beautiful way. And he says the things that I, I learned from my marriage um, that I wish I would have known when I was still married. And he tells this experience about his wife would get frustrated how he would take a glass and leave it out he wouldn't put it back in the dishwasher after he used it. And for her, she felt like that was disrespectful. Like by leaving the glass there, it meant that she was supposed to clean it up. That She was his keeper, that he wasn't working on this together with her. And that was he the was, story she was telling herself. Right, right. He was but she didn't thinking, know it was true. No, no. Well, actually, he was only thinking, I don't want to put it away because I, I might use it again. Right. Like I, I care about the planet sort of thing. I don't want to, or, or water. I don't want to keep reusing this or making more dishes for you, but they didn't have that conversation. So a lot of these habits, if they're not working, trying to play investigator and, or even speaking about how it makes you feel like not being general of like, I feel like I'm the only one cleaning or I feel like, cause that's a, you know, a generalized statement, but finding the things that really matter to you and how you're, partner can help you and not working against the grain. If there's something that they're doing, if there's a compromise that you can make, okay, one dish is allowed on the counter and I won't take it personally, but if there's two dishes, I will take that personally. (laughs) (laughs) Finding that compromise. So I think it's... Yeah. Glass on the counter to me is completely different than dirty dishes in the sink. It's like, you know what, just rinse it and put it in there. Right. Right. So Cody said, okay. I want the whole house to scrub their dishes and then put them in the dishwasher or at least scrub your dish. Don't just put it in the sink. And I said, I love the idea that you want goals here, but I think they need to be a little bit more flexible. And he he and I actually argued about it. He didn't understand where I was coming from. And by the end of it, I said, the biggest thing is if you set this expectation, then I will have this expectation of you. And more often than not, I'm scrubbing your dish, my love. <laughs> so I don't want to be keeping score like that. Mm-hmm. I like us having the idea and I like us working towards this, but being very generous if it doesn't happen and, mm-hmm. and to not take this to, to heart. So this can be something like a goal that we're working on, but not this expectation that this mm-hmm. is what has to happen now. But I liked what you said about imagining this ideal lifestyle. So we do want to set a bar. We do want to say, I want to have 
that tidy kitchen. I want to be able to walk in and not have a sink full of dishes that feels overwhelming. Dishes get harder. They're think like dusting does not get harder. You can put that off, but dried on food does get harder to deal with. So you want to look at that. But I liked what you talked about, the feeling. That's the thing that motivates us to change is the feeling. When you imagine walking in and having the counters clear, what does that feel like to you? I had a friend who really, really struggled with keeping her house clean. And she actually found this system. And the lady's called Fly Lady. I wish I could tell you why. I probably should have looked that up. But her system is you start with the kitchen sink. If you're not keeping your house clean, you're probably not getting your dishes done either. And you can look her up. She's on flylady.net. That's how you find her. And she just breaks it down into really, really basic steps. And so that's what my friend started with, that there were going to be no dishes in the sink. And then you move to no dishes on the countertop. And then you, you know, you, and so you can slowly build out. And I think that's the biggest thing is just start. We, we can get overwhelmed thinking, oh, I've got to do all this or I have to do it in a certain order. But what we're looking for is really peace in our life. Don't you think we yes. want calm? We want to be able to walk in and not think, ah, I have literally like there've been arguments that were started out of nothing that I think I blame clutter. Like I blame it if the place looks messy if there's a weird smell coming from my kitchen sink or something, like I'm very sensitive to those things. Like also I'm really agitated, like I'm really easily uh, annoyed. And I think your space that you dwell in has a lot to do with that. Like feng shui, I'm still kind of getting into, there's a lot of mixed messages on the internet of like, I don't know if my bed is set up perfectly or really wrong. Like it could be either 180 (laughs) degrees or I've got it right. But uh, I trust how it feels to you. Right, right. So one thing, uh, I'm getting a little superstitious in my time of feng shui. It talks about your your range, your stove. And it said, always keep this tidy. I guess in Eastern culture, the range reflects financial stability, your economy of prosperity. Yes, yes. So you keep this clean and tidy. And that was one thing that's like, well, I've seen some pretty bad ranges before, some pretty bad stove tops. So my threshold for mess was high, actually. I could, yeah, high, right. I could take a lot of mess on. There are some things I'm like, oh, but the range, you know, it's a couple rice chips that's fallen out over it. That's fine. We'll clean it. We'll deep clean it once a month. But now I've been really conscientious of keeping that tidy and you know, maybe it's like I'm hoping for that lottery ticket or a million dollars or just, I don't know. But how does it feel? Nice. Next to the dishes being done and, and the sink being clean, which Cody and I have made a goal at the end of every night, like they will be done. Not waking up for it, like dishes will be started and done. That's powerful. Um, I think 30 is our year, honestly. We did, we talked about this, we both turned 30. You know, we'll be 31 this year, coming into 2020. He's like, you know, it just took almost all the 30. (laughs) But 31 will definitely be it. 30 is when we start to realize these habits and um, how to change them. Yeah, that's awesome. Watching uh, Marie Kondo's show, that's what you can gauge here. You, You see the struggle at first. You hear the struggle. Then afterwards, they say they don't want to go back. All of a sudden, they have all this time for each other and the time that they want to do things. And I remember when I first started dating my husband, his mom always talked about, he can't come and hang out today because he has to clean. Like everything was, he has to clean the house. He has to clean the house. But the house never got clean. Mm. Either they were putting off what they needed to be doing or they we're doing that, but not getting anywhere with it. Mm. And so I think the freedom that having less stuff or the stuff that's important to you can give, that's what it showed me of like having an easier space to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. So one of the things that she talks about is organizing by category, not location. So instead of saying, I'm going to clean up the front room or I'm just going to clean the bathroom, she's talking about types of things. And when I went through and did this, uh, we had four bathrooms in my house at that time. And what I realized when I looked underneath the vanities was I was stockpiling 
cleaning, not cleaning supplies, but like shampoos and conditioners and things like that. So what Marie Kondo says is bring all the like things together in one location. And it was a little frightening. I probably, I probably had 12 to 15 giant Costco size things of shampoos and conditioners. And it was like three shampoos and 12 conditioners. And I was just horrified. Like I, it, I had no clue of what I had because they were all so spread out. So she's like, make one home and you can open it up and look. In fact, when I went through Nana's closet, she had 12 hand soap things in her closet on the shelf, but they were all random. And then I put them together in a shoe box and was just like, okay, now you can see how many you have. You don't need to buy more. <laughs> Your conversations like this and I realized how incredible one of my, my best friend is she organizes like this. And I don't think she realizes how talented she is at it. I mean, she's been a stay at home mom now for at least 12 years, maybe, maybe 14 years. And she does this, like, like she runs a tight ship. It's always very tidy, but it's like, she's made it easier for herself. It, she keeps all of that like items like together. I don't want to talk about my vanities. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I went through and threw out at my mom's was all the travel size conditioners and shampoos. And you always tell yourself, well, I might be camping or I might be traveling. I might need those. But when you go, there's usually those products already there for you. And I literally probably threw away 50 of those in her See, drawers. My best friend keeps them, but she keeps them all together. They are in like a, a space, like in a plastic bin together. And um, she does use them. Like we've gone to Airbnbs cause you don't know if they're going to have the, mm-hmm. the products like a hotel would. Sometimes they do. So that's yeah. a matter of categorizing. If you know what you have and you're actually going to use it, but just to have it in all these random drawers or on the, the shelf in the closet or in your car, I can't tell you how many sewing kits Cody has purchased because <laughs> they're not all together. You know, like the basic, I love that Cody has purchased them because I yes. wouldn't know what to do. Yes. With it. <laughs> He's sewing on your buttons. Um, <laughs> yes, he is. We're in Las Vegas and he's sewing on the buttons. Oh, I was so, going to say this about your friend though. She might want to talk to Marie about being a trained consultant because I looked up the price to have someone come. You can't get Marie Kondo and yourself anymore, but she does have trained consultants and they charge $600 per session. I don't know what a session is, but I would imagine that's maybe two hours or for $3,000, you can have a bundle of six sessions of someone coming to clean. So there, you can make some serious bank. I've told her to be a personal organizer, like a home organizer, because she, her brain just works like that. It's very efficient. It finds the easiest way. I'm like, I don't even think that way. I'm having to Google, okay, how do I clean with my ADD brain? Like, and it's giving me other tips. It's like, don't leave the room. Like if there's something you have to take out of the room, put it by the exit. And then you can take them all together on your way because I have cleaned my house where it feels like I've worked all day and I, I can't see the difference because I've been bouncing from one room to the next room, like going over here yes. and now I take this here. And the more I became aware of it, I realized how much I wanted to leave the room. Like I, how much I wanted to just do, like I'm just going to the bathroom just to do this one thing. And I had to make that trip worth it. So I'm like, okay, we're going to step outside the box. We're going to make this worth it. I'm going to gather these four things and put them away on my trip to the bathroom. And I forgot what I was doing like halfway through. I'm like, oh, (laughs) wow, we have a condition. (laughs) I think you have to be realistic on as far as time goes. You know, Marie Kondo says when you start tidying up or decluttering, you need to do it in one fell swoop. But what she really says is that is an average of six months. So you have to be patient with yourself to say, it's going to take time to go through and do these things. It's like almost like a a year long goal and say this month I'm going to take, and I'm going to do something. But I actually was on, on the internet and I saw somebody had a little chart and it said 40 bags, 40 days. And it listed 40 different things like day one, the junk drawer, day two, the linen closet, day three, the medicine cabinet. And I felt like that seemed kind of doable. If you just said, okay, today, day 32, I'm going to do my purse, you know, just something simple and achievable in one day. Cause when I think about six months of declaring my house, I can't hack it. 
there are so many Pinterest things like that. Like, okay, we're just going to do all the pens. Like, throw out all the pens you don't need. Why is it the dumb pens always stick around and you can never find a good one? I threw some away. I threw some away. I did. But they looked really cool. And I thought, maybe it's just the paper I'm writing on. Like, I did hesitate before I threw them out. Like, maybe they'd work better on cardstock. Like, <laughs> any rationalization to keep the pen in the house. But yeah, it's, it's, they make them so fancy now. It's hard to let it go. Well, so it seems to me the natural step after tidying up your space, there's, we need to look at other areas of our life that might need decluttering. But before I go there, I did want to mention that when we have so much stuff, there is a cost. There's a cost to maintain it. There's a cost to keep it, to store it, to clean it. And this was a really interesting statistic to me. One in 11 Americans has a storage unit that they pay an average of $91 per month. I mean, this is just the material overflow. And, and if you, have you ever driven through a storage unit place? If people have their doors open, you're just like, this is all a bunch of crap. Why? Why? In fact, in New York, they have little storage units that are basically like an extra closet they can have things delivered to them because they don't have enough closet space. So I get that in New York, but we're in the, we're in the West. But the problem with that is it's like paying for a gym membership or you've signed up for audible or something like that. It's a recurring payment and you just start to forget about it. And it's, you know, out of sight, out of mind. If you have a storage unit, that is totally worth getting rid of. I mean, that is where you've really got a Marie Kondo in your life. Right. Right. I agree. But it's almost like, the people that put stuff in storage units, you know, it's like they're waiting for a different life. Maybe they're uh, maybe they've moved from a big house to a little house. Maybe they've gone through a divorce. They're waiting for that. It's hard to accept the place that you're in. I think with mm. it, like it's you would have to be letting go of once you fit into a big house and right now your finances say a smaller house and you know could you ever get this piece again for this cost how much does that mean to you like I think it it comes down to really evaluating your goals what you want at that time and and being realistic of where you're at and could you afford it later yes you know like is this is this that type of piece but so many things aren't worth storing. Furniture does not have a good resale value. You, you can go on Craigslist. You can find things and amazing deals if, if you really want to. So it's definitely not worth keeping furniture. And what about art? Art can be considered furniture, right? Oh my gosh. I know. I'm just saying. I'm getting, in, I'm getting into the nitty gritter. The gritter. <laughs> and gritter over here. <laughs> Some grits and gritter. Okay. I do keep a table in my garage that my grandpa built and it has a tile top and it's a round table that is too small for my large kitchen. I need like an island or something. It's, it's yeah. but it makes the space look even larger instead of having a table that fits the space. My grandma told me specifically never get rid of this Oh, so we're now we have that sentimental Mercury and water, right? So I don't think that all pieces of furniture have that. Like a lot of it is just basic, but I get you. I mean, my father-in-law made us a bunch of wood stuff and and it's handmade and it's high quality and it's solid and you want to be able to pass on for generations. But at the same time, is that my responsibility? If if it doesn't fit our lifestyle, I tried to make my kids take their things but I am storing things for my daughter until a little bit later because he made you know cute little wooden chair and tables and a little cupboard and so I'm willing to hold on to some of these things but it does pile up and it it does feel stressful when you have more stuff than you need or stuff that you may never use. My parents finally like in a couple of sessions just dropped off like We've been keeping this since high school. Like there are still like these boxes that were showing up. I'm like, wow. Okay. Know, how long can you get your mom to store your wedding dress for until you finally have to take it back? Oh, it was at least five years. It was at least five years. And then I bought a house. I think that that's what the big shift was. Like you have a house now, Kira. Here's all of your crap we've been storing. Yes. Yeah. I think bottom line though is thinking – what could you do with that money instead? Like, I, yes. I feel you. Like, what you're talking about is not necessarily 
it's a monetary thing, but it also same with my, my in-law, my, my mother-in-law and my husband, how much time were they sacrificing that they could be doing stuff together? Instead, they were cleaning, big, mm-hmm. big quotations, cleaning, you know, we've even been in that place. Um, my little family where it's like, yeah, I don't want to spend my Saturdays doing that. Like let's, let's work during the week so we can play on the weekend. Let's not spend all of our Saturday doing that and having to readjust some things. We came from a small 850 square feet, two bedroom, one bathroom house to where we're at now. And I had to reevaluate, okay, I can't do this all in one day (laughs) and work full time. Like I can't, I can't do that. And so I had to actually, my friend, she took it in, in shifts. Tuesday's toilet day. Like she, she has this whole thing that she works out that just, so you never have, I guess the whole a, thing. Right. But it's, it's the upkeep. It's just done. And then she gets to play on her weekends yeah. or do projects or like tackle that storage unit. That's perfect. That's perfect. Okay. So let's move on to the natural step after tidying up your physical space is tidying up other parts of your life that might need decluttering could be your career, your finances, or decluttering your day. There is a mental space. Uh, I I guess there is energy that is sucked out of your brain while you're trying to remember all the things that you want to do or that you need to do. And so I know a lot of people have had success by having routines of writing down their to-do list for the next day at night before they go to sleep or setting that intention in the morning. I'm going to get up, I'm going to make my list. And so I feel prepared for the day that I have my priorities in clear view. What do you think? That's what my best friend does. She has a list, a sticky note list that she changes every day and she tackles the the things one by one. And maybe that's part of the reason why she's so successful at it. I have yet to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I would do it when I was a project manager writing down that to-do list and nothing was left off and trying to tackle, you know, eat the green frog first. But my home, it's like, eat the green frog. Now, I don't even know what that is. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, I mean, it pretty much means tackle the most yucky thing first. (laughs) Okay. Do the hard thing first, because if you do the small stuff, they've discovered in psychology that your brain's going to feel that same dopamine hit by accomplishing maybe a little task as it does a big task. And sometimes you need a little task to give you that momentum. Like, okay, this is accomplishable. So like be realistic with your goal setting of your day. Cause we're just talking about 24 hours or really 12. Cause we want to sleep for some <laughs> <laughs> eating that green frog first of like sending that email, whatever you have that mental block on. Yeah. That thing that you find the most challenging. If you tackle that, if you eat that green frog first, then the rest of your projects are going to be easy. That's perfect. Yeah. Super smart. Sometimes if you can be logical though, because sometimes I have really big green frogs that obviously you can't accomplish in one day. (laughs) So, or you have the energy to do. So sometimes a little project. Yeah. But you got to break it down into manageable bites. (laughs) One of the apps that I really like is called focus keeper and you can set it for different amounts of time so that I can get things done because even ADD or not, it's so easy to get distracted by things. So I'll turn that on. And I know that I'm not going to answer my phone. I'm not going to look, check my email. I'm not going to scroll Facebook. I'm not going to do anything during that 20 minutes. It feels really good. And it, it will actually come up and remind me. And during the day, it'll say, let's get some work done. You know, and so I'm like, oh, is this a good time? It's okay. shaming you. It's like my Fitbit. Like, hey, Kira, it's 10 p.m. Time to go to bed. Shut up, Fitbit. Stop talking to me. <laughs> Don't tell me I'll live my life in bit. <laughs> but no, okay, Focus Keeper. I think I need to do that because I have tasks. Um, it's another app which I enjoy because you can set uh, the priority list and you can set the date when it needs to be completed. And so you can go down through your day, but also like let's say you accomplish all those things. Maybe there's something else that's you know on the month. Uh, but maybe you could just bust out if you're feeling rather productive. And it is oddly satisfying to have a little ding when you check something off. I use Wonderlist for a lot of different things. And it, let me see if I can check something off and have you hear it. Wonderlist. Um, let me put my sound on. Here I go. 
Did you hear the little ting? That's so nice. I know. It just makes you feel really good about yourself. My washer and dryer, they, they do that like, do, 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 and so it makes you want to do the, the laundry. But also if you turn off the eco mode, like you want to just do your dryer in 42 minutes, like a normal person rather than an hour and 33 minutes. So at first we'll set it on eco mode. And so to turn it off, it's like, do, do. <laughs> but I don't get the party. <laughs> no party when you turn off the eco mode. It wants you to save the planet. Don't worry about your schedule. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so what about decluttering relationships? Like, mm. Do we ever need to ask ourselves, does this relationship spark joy? I think that's an important thing to recognize that we are. What do we say that? you are the sum total of the five people that you hang out with, but there are people in our lives that do bring us down. And that's a really challenging topic. Maybe it's its own topic, but you, I think you can Marie Kondo relationships. And she actually had a little, little something, something on her website. And she said there were four categories. I'm going to, I'm going to list the four and then we'll go back and look at them. Use your intuition evaluate the relationship and your role in it. And then if you're moving on, let go with gratitude. And lastly, if you're staying, accept the person fully and commit. So I want to go back to using your intuition. I was listening to a podcast the other day and the person, uh, it was actually that Gavin DeBeck, the guy who has the book, The Gift of Fear. And he said, as humans, we are the only animal species that will disregard the signals that our body gives us to warn us of danger. And so we do have those intuition, those feelings that say either come closer so I can get to know you better or back off. It's that fear instinct's very triggering. And so you do have to be mindful of when it serves you and when it doesn't. As women, we tend to disregard that signal, that fear signal, because we want to be nice or we want to be polite or we want to be inclusive. But if you feel yucky around someone, you need to trust your instinct on that. You need to trust that this person is either frustrating or boring to you. They're, they're just not adding anything good in your life. I could see that. Or how much effort you want to put into it. Yeah. Sometimes if it's too much work, it's just not worth the effort. That rolls into the second part, evaluating the relationship and your role in it. So asking yourself what's working and what's not, and what do I really want? Right, right. Or what level? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Well, because we talked about really the only person that we can change is ourselves. So if we're in this relationship that frustrates us because we want that other person to change, we can't change them. But when we change ourselves, that other person is forced to make changes in order to be with us. What so, about the guilt that comes? <laughs> the guilt. I'm propelled by guilt. <laughs> there shouldn't be any guilt in changing yourself. So, no, but guilt in, in changing the way I interact with this person, like the frequency or, I don't know, or not having that conversation, ghosting in a way, like, oh, ghosting. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. It's difficult to have a conversation. Some people are in our life for a season and some people are in our life for a reason. So we have to be grateful. Ooh, I like for, that. I know. like that a lot. A season or a reason. So we have to be grateful for what the relationship has taught us or what we've learned or shared, but we also deserve to focus on what we need to have a healthy relationship moving forward. And there, sometimes you do have to do lifestyle surgery. You do have to limit or completely cut people out of your life. I had a woman who I felt took advantage of me. She'd always say, oh, you're my adopted daughter. And then she would treat me like I was Cinderella, a stepdaughter. And, and finally, I just, I had to move on from that. And it was really hard. Right, and, right. But I limited myself to Christmas and her birthday and, you know, sending her a card or, or just having a phone call. Or, and that empowered me. It made space in my life for something better you can't let go of people with resentment because then you feel icky about it. So I don't know if ghosting is the easiest thing. It's not. No, it's really not. There's a lot of shame that comes with it. Yeah. 
It seems like in relationships, a lot of time when people break up, they say, oh, it's not you, it's me. But sometimes that is the truth. You know, sometimes it's easier to spin it that way and just say, you know, right now, it's not you, it's me. I need to know. But it really is. Like right now, it feels like I've, I'm going through something and I don't have the space. I'm, I don't have the space to be the person that, to show up for them like I'd want to. And rather than just ghost. And, and it's hard because we've known each other for so long that there's always been these ebbs and flows of our relationship. So it's like, well, we could just justify this as an ebb, you know? <laughs> but maybe it is, who knows? But I think I do so much better with communication and, and direct conversation that it's, it's hard to ghost otherwise. Yeah. Um, so if we're staying in a relationship, we have to have that intimacy based on active listening and expressing our feelings. But don't they get a pass? Like, isn't there some sort of pass? Like, that's also what makes me feel like a butthead, too. It's like, come on, Kira. They're dealing with some stuff, you know? But we're all dealing with some stuff. Right? I mean, there's the crisis moment, but then there's the genuine. I think Brene Brown said that um, empathy has a shelf life. Yeah. I don't know if it was Brene Brown. Read this thing on the difference between empathy and compassion. And this really stuck with me that empathy is like, oh, that, that's got to be really hard. But then you kind of get tired of hearing about it. Whereas compassion, it allows us to stay with it longer. No, that sounds like Brene Brown. She looks truth in the face and says, what's up? So I, I like how you keep talking about gratitude. And that's something I wanted to touch on with getting rid of some things. That's the only thing that like, helped me get rid of some things is uh, Marie Kondo. She talks about, you know, holding that thing being grateful for the time or the vex given or whatever it is, even if it's that old sweater you never really loved to begin with, and then letting go that that gratitude needs to come first. So I like how you brought it up in relationships, you brought it up in and getting rid of things, but I think that that gratitude is essential instead of just being like, oh, I never like this sweater anyways, and then you feel guilty so you keep it, you know, like, I don't know, weird <laughs> mental blocks. Wouldn't it be amazing if we thought of everything in our life as needing to spark joy, that the people we surround ourselves with, the environment, when you find the perfect thing, when we moved, I was a little disappointed that the layout of the house we're in now didn't lend itself really well to my office. It was a lot smaller and it felt dark and I didn't want to be in there. It's just the way the house is situated. I never get any direct sunlight into my office. Then I went to the store and I wanted to find a mirror and I brought one home and it just didn't feel big enough. And I went to a, a consignment place and there was this giant mirror. I kid you not like giant. Can you see it? Giant. Yes. That is huge. That is beautiful. It weighs a million pounds, but anyway, it, it literally takes up the entire wall. But the cool thing about it is it reflects my favorite picture. It reflects the only window in the room and it doubled the light that came into my space. Well, it sparked joy for me. So even making just one small change changed everything for me. So what we need to do is it's not even just about being clutter free. It's making space for something better. It's finding that prosperity in our life. It's finding those people who will give us help on our journey. Marie Kondo, I think it's funny that she's like become a name like Kleenex. Like that's a sign for it. The thing I like about her is it's more, it's more right. than just tidying up. It's actually about the feeling of the life that, that this, this brings. I, I absolutely agree. I think even if you can't declutter, like let's say you're in a space that you just feel like you can't get rid of anything, you know, like same thing with nostalgia. You, you've gone back, you're, you're in your muck. She has ideas about going forward. Like next time you're in a store, and the only place that you'll love something the most is at the store when you're trying it on for the very first time. If you don't love it, if it doesn't bring you joy, don't bring it into your home. If this gift that someone gave you, if it, you don't have any attachments to it whatsoever, if it doesn't bring you joy, get rid of it before it attaches. You know, like, like little leeches. If you're in a space that you feel like you can't fix right now, at least you can not contribute to the problem. You can still look ahead. Like I'm not buying anything I don't love. I only buy the things that I love. I only keep the things that bring me joy. And then we can start the purge later when you're in a different space. Like we can be respectful of that, of everybody's place. Not everyone maybe feels like January is the time to 
to spring clean because honestly it's snowing in some places and <laughs> you know who wants to be out in their garage right now <laughs> but you know come come spring and that spring cleaning um just get the good deal on boxes right now your bins and and find a place to store those and be creative i actually use shoe boxes all the time to break large areas into smaller areas so that i can compartmentalize a little bit better and that seems to really help me keep things by classification. I mean, I don't know that everything has energy. Uh, Marie Kondo suggests that you take things completely out. Like if you have a drawer you want to tidy, take the entire thing out. If you have a bookshelf you're organizing, take all the books off the shelf. Sometimes all the clothes in one central place. And that's what scares me. That's what feels daunting about the clothes. I'm like, okay, no, let's not. I, I honestly think you're most successful if you can involve a friend in it because no one is as, as, as attached to your stuff as you are. So this right. other person is like, really? I never see you wear that. When we were downsizing or right-sizing, as I like to call it, I had these giant metal bowls and my daughter was like, you don't need these. And I said, yeah, but I make that checks mix at Christmas. And she's like, you can find something else. You don't need these bowls. That was so hard for me to get rid of these bowls, but they took up a tremendous amount of space. So I have just this one set of four bowls and guess what? Three years in, I'm doing just fine with just those four bowls. And it feels so great because not every single square inch of my kitchen is full. I got rid of things that I only use seasonally. I had one of those roaster ovens that I would only use for funerals. And I, I thought, why am I supplying this for the world? There's another way to make funeral potatoes. It'll be okay. Or put a ham in it. And so it is really exciting and it's really freeing to make space and, and not have to provide all of those things. Right, right. No, it's it's definitely helped. Clary and I cheer each other on, like even virtually from Colorado. It's like, I'm going to get rid of this thing. I'm taking it to the garbage. Please tell me this is okay. <laughs> yeah. Skyping all through the, the cleanup session. I think that's great. Yes. Use a buddy. Use accountability. Use technology. Right. And don't use a yes man. Use someone that can like, you know, like Katie and Clary that can be like, call you on your stuff. Like, hey man, you can't use this. <laughs> <laughs> when we were moving Josh over Christmas, it was funny because Dustin, he was ready to get rid of absolutely everything. And he's like, how many potato peelers do you really need? And so I was like, two. And he goes, you don't need two. And I said, well, what if you have a friend helping peel potatoes? Yes, two. I wish I had two. So we, he only let me put one in, but then I snuck one into another box and he caught me. He's like, did you just put a potato peeler in there? I'm like, yes, I did. I need a Dustin in my life. Will he please come clean out my ice cream scoopers? Because we have so many ice cream scoopers. <laughs> we should totally wrap up. Is there a way that we can... Um, some takeaways, right? right? So you talked about... So you read Marie Kondo's book first. And then there's the Netflix episode. And she has a website. She's got great tips on there. She's got her six basic rules. She's got the five categories to tackle. She's got other blog posts and. But um, kind of like weight loss, I think, like find what works for you. Like it's going to be different for everyone else. And Pinterest has honestly been a huge ally of finding like the toilet Tuesday. And the, you know, that <laughs> whatever seems to fit your groove, there are countless purging and decluttering blogs and websites. Find your truth, dress your truth, get your sink clean, start somewhere. Enjoy. Yeah, and just be grateful, be grateful. We are so blessed that we have so much. But when I imagine getting rid of something, what I try and imagine is it blessing someone else's life more. When I put that in a bag to donate, I really hope someone else will enjoy it and that they'll love it and it will bring joy to them as well. So go out and do one thing and spark joy. Spark joy! <laughs>